Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Motormouth Podcast with me, Tim Sylvie, and Tom OF1, who's standing in for Harry Benjamin while he's out on commentary duties. This is the place where we meet a figure from the world of motorsport and dive into their lives and careers, often uncovering truths you never knew existed. We've sat down with Formula One drivers, team principals, touring car stars, Le Mans and IndyCar winners, famous broadcasters, content creators and pioneers, all to make sure that you get behind the visor and hear from the world's biggest and most interesting names. If there's anyone with a story to tell, they usually tell it right here. Check us out at motormouth.club, download our app, check out our regular Motormouth kart race where you can race alongside the stars and support our partners at Movember and the Brain Tumor Charity. And don't forget, please subscribe to our show, leave a review, it really makes a difference. Find us on all the major podcast channels. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and enjoy the chat. Hi, I'm Tim Sylvia, and today we are joined by a Formula 2 rising star who hails from Holland. So... Tom McCluskey, here we are. Let's, That's me. That's let's me. test your Dutch racing knowledge. Can you name out of the 17 uh, Dutch racing drivers we've had in Formula One, can you name five? Okay. Um, right. Jos Verstappen, Correct. obviously. Yeah. Max Verstappen, of course. Easy. Uh, they're the easy ones. Oh, who's the... Um, Oh, Robert Dornbos. Robert Dornbos, um, 2006, yes. Uh, oh, two more Dutch go back into the archives. No one's coming to mind, you know. I think that might be it. I think, I th- I think is three's three is the most I can get. I, I mean, hopefully our guest will eventually get there. Um, but I, I'm afraid that that's it. That's all I've got to. Uh, you'll kick yourself. Christian Albert. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, 2005 to 2007. Yep. Um, you could have had um, Nick DeVries. Oh, come on. Oh, no. He's been, okay, I mean, he's it. he's a Formula One driver. That's true. I've had a shocker there, haven't I? Guido Vandergaard. I could go on. You um, could go on, but please don't. I'll, I'll, I'll 
I'll save your embarrassment. Um, right, should I introduce today's guest? Yeah, let's do it. So today we're joined by Richard Vashore, a young up-and-coming Dutch racing driver in Formula 2 for Trident. He's a multiple Dutch karting champion, vice-European karting champion, world karting champion, SMP, Formula 4 champion, Spanish Formula 4 champion, vice-Toyota racing series champion, and Macau 2019 race winner. We're here to learn about his life career, thoughts and opinions. Richard, a very warm welcome to the Motormouth podcast. Hello, everyone. Nice to, uh, nice to be here. And Richard, um, with all those championships and all those wins, the most requested question you would think would be something re- related to that, but no, it's what your favourite fruit is. So tell us, and, and why is that a thing? I don't really have one particular one, but if I have to choose one, I would think go with apples, the pink lady ones. They're always good, but there's no thinking behind it. It's just, I like apples. I like apples and I like pink lady apples. They're, they're, yeah, they're good. Yeah, I would choose those. But I, w- I would always go kiwi fruit personally. It's, I think it's the most underrated fruit on the planet. Love it. They're oh, good as well. Mm. Do you eat the white inside or not? I eat, I eat the whole thing. I eat, I go skin, insides, everything. Skin? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just shut You eat up. the skin? Yeah. Isn't that, that's Never the, heard that before. Is that not normal? Wow. No. <laughs> that's <laughs> no. the hairy bit, man. Yeah. It's like a hairy testicle. Just pop it in. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, I did, shouldn't, have, shouldn't have gone. Oh, lower the tone, why don't you, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, now we've got that one out of the way, um, which, which weirdly has been requested quite a lot on social, which is very strange. Where are you joining us from today, Richard? I'm home. Um, yeah, I don't spend that much time at home uh, during the year, but um, yeah, now I'm home. Um, so literally, my mom's house, basically. Oh, nice. Oh, it, 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 it must be quite strange having such a long break between um, kind of the last round and then the finale in Abu Dhabi. That, that, that must be a bit weird. Yeah, to be really fair, to me, it doesn't really make sense because many drivers will either leave Formula 2 or they will be with it, like different teams. So, I mean, it's not that... It's just a bit weird because, for example, I won't be with Trier next year, so it's a bit strange to then come back and three days later you might be in a, another car or it's, it's a bit strange. I, you uh, you started things off this year in pretty exceptional fashion, winning the sprint race at Sakir. Um, made even more impressive because you, I think you were the last driver to be confirmed ahead of the new season. Um, at that point, were you just thinking, well, this F2 business is easy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm cruising to a championship here. What were the emotions going through you at that, at that stage of the season? No, definitely. I wasn't thinking that way. Uh, I was just really happy because for me, Every year as a driver, um, you know, it's not that easy for me to even get a seat or it's not normal for me to drive in those categories. Like every year I have to work my ass off to to be there. And uh, especially this year, you know, I had so many partners that, you know, said yes when I asked for sponsorship. So everything just came together when I got a very, very nice offer from uh, Trident. So, you know, I was just very happy also to give something back straight away to all my partners because that's always the thing, you know, during the season, you know, you have to perform. Um, yeah, it just was a, I just could take that that one off my shoulders, basically. And you, you've had a real kind of purple patch this kind of end of the season where you've got seven point scoring finish, well, seven top tens at least in, in a row. Like, how, how would you reflect on the entire season? Because like Tim said, it was like a really strong start. You've had a really, really strong end. And then you had kind of a patch where you hadn't scored points for a while. Like, why was that? And do you think you've learned a lot from, from this season? I've learned massively. I have to say, uh, my team did teach me a lot. Um, 
of course, before when I signed, you know, the last four years, they haven't really been great result-wise. Um, but I really think that we turned it around this year. Uh, I think we've really shown that Triumph can be a winning team. And um, I'm really proud of that. Um, yeah, in the middle, we had, we had many issues on the car as well. Um, the brakes in, in Barcelona, then we had to change the monocoque for Monaco. And then um, the sensor still working in qualifying. Obviously, that's not ideal in, um, in Monaco. Um, so, yeah, we, we had many issues. It was on fire in Paul Ricard. And, you know, also myself, sometimes in qualifying, I was not completely on it on the first set, which then made it more difficult for the second set. Um, but I'm really happy with the progress we've made throughout um, throughout the season because the last three rounds, for example, we were really, really on it, always in top five, top six. So, yeah, I was really happy with that. How are you feeling going into Abu Dhabi then? Like we said, it's a, it is a long break, but what are the expectations there? What are you hoping to achieve in those final races? Well, for me, as a driver, it's important to be consistent. So, last three rounds, we're always top five, top six. So, for me, that would be at least the aim uh, again now. You know, all the time to be there, even if the car, even if the conditions are, are difficult. Um, yeah, just try to be always up there. Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's a long old season, but I want to I want to take it back to 2019 because um, it's a race um, we've spoken to guests about before, which is the Macau F3 race, um, which is it's been one of those races over the years that's been won by some of the racing drivers who have gone on to be great. It's a hugely challenging race, um, and we've sort of it's one of those that if you're a racing fan. It's one of those top races that you look at and think that's a really, really special race, but perhaps not one that the armchair fans maybe even know about. You went into that race as a rookie um, and won. That must have been an incredible feeling. It was, definitely. Yeah, also because my career at that time was quite, you know, I wasn't sure if I was going to continue, so I really needed something big. So, yeah, I remember when I got the call to go to Macau, uh, I still had to find some budget and I got that within like two days. Um, yeah, then just the whole experience going there. Um, it was like a, a country where I've never been. Um, the, the street, the, the track walk, let's say everything. It was just an amazing experience. I remember the first lap I did, I got completely dizzy because, you know, you, you go so fast in between the walls and also they are uh, yellow and black. So I don't know, my eyes couldn't keep up or something, but it was just an amazing experience. I didn't even know where I ended up after free practice one, but I already, I loved it so much. And uh, in the end, we we won. So it was, couldn't have been better. How does uh, Macau compare to, I mean, I would imagine Monaco is the closest you get on the F1 calendar, right? F2 calendar? Yeah, it, it's close, but Macau is longer and also some parts are m more narrow. So and also, I think on the straight, we got like 300 kph, which our speeds you don't reach in Monaco. So it's definitely another level. Do you feel, and I know you're a racing driver, so you're very much used to the speed, but are there any points where you're driving a lap at somewhere like that where you just think, oh God, like this is so scary? Or does that, are you just too in the zone to even think about fear? Well, it's funny because I think every driver has that feeling. Uh, also, when, for example, now we didn't drive for one and a half or almost two months, I'm 100% sure if I jump back in the car now in Abu Dhabi, it will feel very quick because it's not normal to drive a car that's that fast. Like, um, so I, But always when I have that feeling, I'm always thinking about Formula 1. So, for example, Monaco, first lap, I had a bit of that feeling, but I was thinking like, man, come on, in Formula 1, they go even quicker. So 
How, how much quicker do they go? I mean, what, what's the what sort of differential are you looking at between a, a fast, a top tier F2 car and perhaps, you know, the, the, the back or, you know, somewhere near the back of an F1 grid? It depends a bit on the track, but it's around 15 to 20 seconds. Really? Wow. Yeah, it, it's a lot. Yeah. yeah, that's huge. That's a huge amount of time considering some of these circuits. What are your favorite kind of circuits to race on as well, Richard? Like, Because you've got such a variety street circuits, conventional tracks. Did you have one that really sticks in your mind that's like your favorite to race on? Well, I really, really like to drive in Macau. Uh, sorry, in uh, Monaco. But um, also tracks like Spa, Silverstone, they, I really like them because, you know, I like high-speed corners. And of course, the car has to stick to the ground. Otherwise, it's a bit scary. But um, I really like the the flowing corners. Let's say. Yeah, I think I think it's it's the corners often where that, that separates a good driver from a great driver. I was listening to um, a piece of the High Performance podcast the other day. I think they had Christian Horner on it, and he was saying when he was racing, um, I can't remember who he was referencing, but someone. Oh, it's Montoya. He was coming around a, a corner, and um, the way that he saw Montoya come around this corner in his in his mirrors. And take the corner flat and just stick stick it to the floor and and power around that corner. Whereas Horner sort of thought, I'm just not capable of doing that. My, that's not in my body to put my foot down like that and cling on for dear life. I think you know that that's probably the difference between a, a good and a great driver or someone that's capable to make a career out of motorsport is having that that mindset. Do you, do you think there's a a kind of um, consistent mindset that racing drivers have? Do you think there's something in them? that makes them not fear that putting your foot down, holding on for dear life and praying that the downforce doesn't disappear? Well, I, I do think so, yeah. I think for every driver, it's a challenge. Uh, just for some of them, the challenge is a bit bigger than for the others. But I'm 100% that all the drivers, if we have to go flat, which is just flat through a corner, it will never be the first lap. So we all have to build up a tiny bit and one does it quicker than the other. But I guess as well, like, you know, you guys typically all start so young. I mean, how old were you when you first jumped in a kart? Because you're still going quick in a go-kart yeah. even. Yeah, I was nine. So I was relatively old, let's say. Yeah, it's funny how nine was, is quite old by that standard, isn't it? That's crazy. Yeah, it's nuts. But like you say, even karts, you know, some, some of the top-tier karting, they're seriously quick. It's like they're a fast-forward when you're watching it um, on TV. Just before we get into that, bear with me for two minutes. I must tell you about our new sponsors of the show, and it's one that means a great deal to us all on a very personal level here at the Motormouth Podcast. In 2021, Dana, the founder of Motus One, passed away suddenly and without warning whilst visiting family in the States. Dana was one of my very best friends. The legacy he left with his family and his business is incredible, and I'm hugely humbled and proud to have his booming business as part of this show. Sponsors are vital for our survival and make sure we continue to bring you interviews with the biggest names in racing. So if you or your company needs event transportation, look no further than the team at Motus One. They have you covered anywhere in the world, from a single chauffeur-driven sedan to a fleet of luxury SUVs, Teslas, or motor coaches, Find your transportation solution with Motus One. They've got offices worldwide, including the Middle East, Europe, and Africa, and will support your transportation needs regardless of location. Motus One is committed to world-class service at the very best rates to ensure your event goes off without a hitch. Contact them at motusone.com. We'll put all their social links in the podcast description. A massive, massive thanks to Dana, his wife, Claudia, his kids, the rest of the Motus One team. Thank you for having faith in our show and joining us for season 12. Right, 
Back to it. On with the show. Now, let's, you mentioned um, about finding budget there for the, um, for the Macau race that you managed to get together in a couple of days. Um, let's talk about sponsorship. I know that historically you've not had a manager. Um, you've not necessarily had people looking after this for you. When you say you, you spent, you know, you went out there a couple of days, found some budget, how on earth did you do that? Like, what, what's your process for finding partners to help you go racing? Sometimes I ask myself the same question, how I get that much budget. But uh, I think it's, you know, dedication and also a bit of experience. Uh, around four years ago, I, I had to start because I was with Red Bull uh, in 2017. Then I got dropped after that, so 2016, 2017. And basically from that moment, things started to go bad, let's say. So also my father was divorcing with my mom and then this company went bad. So there was no money uh, anymore from home. Like he founded everything until karting, uh, until Formula 4 actually. Um, but from there on, you know, I also didn't have my own network. So because either was Rebel paying or this federation or my father. So then at some point, if I wanted to continue racing, uh, I had to do it myself somehow. So I started to go on, uh, I do a lot with LinkedIn, uh, the platform. And, you know, I started to create my own network basically and also trying to call uh, uh, people that my father know because he has his own business. Um, so slowly I started to get my own business and, you know, it goes very quickly because it's, for me, it's just who you know. Um, many people have their own network and I just try to know as many people as I can, of course, with the same passion. Um, and they, again, know many people as well. And, you know, when I was younger, I, I really struggled also to uh, divide the two things. So basically, during the winter period, I was like the, the businessman. And, but then in the racing season, I had to be the driver. Um, but I, I struggled to, when I was driving, to not think about those kind of things. Because sometimes I didn't have the full budget. Mm. And I was thinking, okay, what if I crash now? I'm, I'm in depth, you know? Um, so I feel like this year, especially, um, I got the full budget before I started the season and it gave me so much um, confidence, but I felt so much, you know, more relief because I had the budget up front and it's one of the first years where I had that. Um, so yeah, I, I just tried to work my way around, but it's it's not always that easy. Funding is just something that, you know, is completely overlooked, I think, by the vast majority of the fan base, how bigger component that is and also like being a good racing driver and being good at you know getting yourself sponsorship and, and that business side of things they're, they're two completely separate skills like where did you where did you learn that were you able to lean on people around you to kind of give you advice or did you just kind of like i guess like you say with linkedin just kind of test your way through it and get to a stage because you know they are such separate skills no they are and um I think I just learned it by doing it because I didn't have an option, but I still wanted to be a racing driver. So um, when, like, I'm quite, is the word in English, introvert? Yep. I'm, yeah. I'm not really speaking a lot uh, myself. I really had to learn learn to do that because, you know, in the end, you need to speak to people. You need to go after it yourself. And uh, I think also something that helps is that I do everything myself because people that own companies or brands, they are... If they are approached by someone that tries to, they just send them my my pitch deck or whatever. They have no feeling. Like I just literally knock on the door and I'm I'm there, and they can speak to the, the guy who is inside the car. Um, so I think I think that really helps. And of course, I got more experience in doing all the conversations, 
uh, understanding that some uh, companies need the exposure, some companies need the experience, the engagement. You know, there's different kind of things that you can offer. And um, yeah, I, I think that, for example, I did a meeting this morning and um, yeah, it was completely different than what I expected, but still I managed to, you know, somehow uh, convince him, like give him exactly what he wants. But one year ago, I would never be able to do that because I was like, oh, I thought that just a sticker on the car was enough. Mm. But now I have this whole program with, you know, uh, exclusive track days, karting days, visiting to the Formula 2 race with different kind of F1 tickets. You know, it's, I'm still not, you know, I can still improve a lot, but I think that uh, it's going quite well at the moment. That's really impressive, man. That's really impressive. It like, is. considering you hadn't done it before as well. Like, to just, I mean, that, that's kind of Tim's forte as well, the whole sponsor side of, I mean, I imagine that's a challenge anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I listened to the to the podcast where, where Tim was on and it, yeah, it also teach me a lot. Also the budgets in Formula One, I didn't expect they were that high. Um, oh, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is when, really crazy. When you look at the back of the grid, I mean when I was managing drivers and um well when Matt, when I was looking after Max Chilton and when he came into the sport, um the numbers were nowhere near like they are now, but but back then, which so this was 2013-ish, and I think the budget for him was just it's just over 10 million pounds to race for Marussia at the back of the grid um and that was money that he had to come up with so um and and he a bit like you he he, he you know max gets a, a bit of a bad rep because he's he's got a very wealthy family wealthy father um but um it wasn't all handouts and he had to go out and find investment for that 10 million quid which he did through a combination of me and a few other people and um he worked incredibly hard for it, and he also... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market would be a driver that would would go to meetings you know he would happily turn up at a meeting if he thought it would help which i think makes a huge difference you know if you're talking to the guy that's getting in the car not his representative because the the, the driver can't be bothered to turn up because he's too busy you know sitting on a yacht in monaco or whatever it's not a good look if you're there chatting to the guy direct it, it makes a you know you get that authentic feeling um <clears throat> it makes a big difference but it, it's a it's a hugely Hugely challenging thing. Is this is this then something that you're going to take with you into future careers? Because, you know, you, we spoke to um, Jody Schechter recently, albeit a different era. He retired at 30, but then went into business and was incredibly successful. Do you think some of the things you're learning now in sponsorship are going to put you in a good position when it comes to that point where either you can't afford to go racing anymore or it just comes naturally to the end of its life cycle? No, I, I love entrepreneurship. So I would 100% do something in that I have no idea what, but 
I always had this desire to, even with at the moment with my own merchandise, so that I'm, I want to earn uh, much money of it. But I just like to be thinking about how can I make this brand bigger? How can I uh, sell it? How can I make different products? I just love this whole game, basically. And uh, I'm 100% sure that I will, I will do something with that in the future. Mm. I think one day, Richard Vashur, team principal, I can see yeah, it yeah. now. I can, yeah. I can see it above the Red Bull gauge. But obviously, talking of, of F1, I mean, I'm sure that's still, you know, for you at the moment, is that very much kind of front and center your focus? And, and I guess as well, the fact that you're in Formula 2, you know, is it, is, it a, is it a case of your focus needs to be completely on Formula 1 in order for you to, to get there? Or are you open to the idea? Because we've seen, you know, we've seen Christian Lungard and Callum Eilert go to IndyCar. There's plenty of, I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of different series potential there. And obviously F1, you know, even if, you know, with Oscar winning F2, with Felipe winning F2, they haven't got seats. So mm. are you seriously considering other things or is it just F1 for you at the minute? Well, to be honest, um, we, you're already speaking about Formula 1 or another side, but I'm literally still thinking about Formula 2. Like, I, I'm not looking forward that much. I understand that it's important to look... Uh, maybe this is the reason I need a manager, by the way, but this is just my point of view. Um, you know, I'm just busy with... I want to become Formula 2 champion. That's the only thing I, I want at the moment. And what comes afterwards, I don't know. Uh, I'll just try to do my best. But I believe that if I can show myself to be a front runner in Formula 2, I can... Okay, if it's Formula 1, of course, it's my dream. I, I will go. But if it's a good ride in IndyCar, I would love to do that as well. You know, I'm not, I'm not just thinking about Formula 1. I, I, I look at it, you know, more overall, but... At the moment, I just want to make sure I can be a Formula Two champion. I'm not sure though that the um, the, the structure is quite there yet, is it? Like the the, the junior categories F4, F3, F2 into F1, you, it doesn't quite work like it does. For example, in IndyCar, you you do really well at Indy Lights. If you win Indy Lights, you're going to be an IndyCar. Like there's there's no exactly. question. If you win F2, there's no guarantee you're going to be in Formula One because. You know, we're, with the silly season in the driver market, we're talking, you know, last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Giovinazzi, Hulkenberg, you know, these guys who have effectively retired from Formula One, and yet they're still floating around, and we're not looking at the, the top drivers in, in Formula Two. What, why, why is that? What, what's, is there a problem with our, our feeder system? I just think that Formula One team, of course, it's, the world is very big. It, you know, we're talking about a lot of money as well for the teams, and I think they're also looking for just experienced drivers to have more, um, that they're more sure that they can have good results. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that if you put Oscar in, in a car, you give him a few races or half a year, you will do extremely well. But it's a bit of a risk to do that. And I think if you put Hogenberg or whatever, they will be earlier maybe at, at a higher level. But I think still that in the end, Oscar, for example, would, uh, would definitely be better. Yeah, because I, I, I think part of it, in my opinion anyways, is the fact that the cost cap is here now. Mm. I think teams are maybe less willing to take the risks, I guess, because they can't just, oh, oh, it's fine. You could write off the chassis having a crash. We just pay for another one. I think maybe now going for those more experienced drivers yeah. from a cost cap point of view, maybe that's part of it. I, I don't really know. Because also you look at IndyCar and there's like 30 odd seats. There's only 20 seats in F1. Yeah. So like you say, it's not just about we know this. It's always been the case in F1. It's not just about talent. There's so many factors that need to come together. Right place, right time as well. But um, hopefully, mate, it works out for you because it'd be great to see another Dutch face on the grid. And talking of 
Dutch, obviously Max Verstappen. Do you reckon he'll wrap it up this weekend in Suzuka? I think so. I, I didn't see the stats of what he needs to achieve to in order to win a championship, but he's very good in, in Suzuka and also in the races. So I think it's quite likely that he wraps it up. Would also be nice with the with the Honda partnership. Yes. What are the stats? You know, you'll know the numbers, Tom, won't you? What, um, so it needs to be he needs to be eight points ahead of Leclerc um, after the race, or ten points ahead of Perez. So basically, if Max wins and Leclerc comes second and Perez third, I think he wins it. But okay. it might be the fastest lap point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Then he wins the fastest lap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, he's a huge talent, isn't he? Have Have you had much to do with him, Richard? Is 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 Max featured on your radar much? Not really, to be honest. Formula One and Formula Two is a different world, to be honest. But um, when I see him in a track walk, or when I see him, of course, we say hi to each other. We're both Dutch, and uh, yeah, I think we get along well. Uh, but I, n- I never really speak to him. Uh, just I met him a few times when I was with Red Bull, but that's more about it. And and, the, and obviously, I was just oh, going to say the Dutch driver that, that Tom forgot, Nick De Vries. <laughs> yeah, my bad. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How highly do you rate him? I'm I'm sort of for me. Um, the jury's out still because, you know, he raced in, a, in an F1 race. He couldn't really do, you know, how do I put this politely? He's, he, you know, he's, <laughs> oh, God, what's going on? Well, he's not got this. He didn't have the strongest teammate in the world. And I think, you know, I think that's fair to say for that particular race. But also he had a car that suited that particular racetrack. And, and yes, he, he could only do what, what's put in front of you. And he did a great job. But how highly do you rate him? Do you think he has... Um, a big future in Formula One? Um, difficult. Um, usually in the junior categories, he did need a bit longer. Um, so I think in all categories, he spent three years or more. Um, so I'm not, but what I do think now is that he he's very, very professional, like on another level. Um, he was even taking pictures of the track walks I've heard and, you know, he, he is studying everything. So I think that with his hard work, um, I think he, he can have a good chance. And I think even uh, next to possibly Tsunoda and Alpha Tauri, I think he has a good shot to show himself. The only thing, of course, is that he is a bit older. So that's maybe the reason why yeah. they might want to go for someone that's younger if they want to go for a rookie. Um, but I do think that he's capable of doing a very good job. And how was that? Obviously, you know, growing up, up, up in the Netherlands where, you know, Max joined the sport in... Well, he had a practice run in like 2015, didn't he? But it'd been a while since there'd been a Dutch driver on the grid. So do you remember that? Like, how old were you when when it was first announced that this, you know, bright new hotshot was jumping into a Toro Rosso? And did that change the way that F1 was kind of perceived from your point of view anyway in the Netherlands? A very quick interruption to remind you to check out our sponsors, Motus One, the event transportation company. Motus One is the industry leader in complex transport management from hospitality, talent, production crews, VIPs, and artist transport. Motus One's team have got you covered. They've also launched their leading edge cloud-based event transportation management system called Motus Ride. Now you can manage your entire event transport program digitally. Make bookings, allocate rides, create approval processes, see reports, track costs, loads more. Head over to motusone.com and hear how they can support your event transportation needs. Back to the show. Well, for, for me, to be honest, when he joined Formula One, for the next three years, I think, for me, nothing really changed. Of course, uh, there was a bit more, uh, people were talking about it more, but it just since last year, so when he won the World Championship and when he was winning it, 
Um, and also this year, it has just been insane. Like as if it's suddenly switched or something, but everybody's talking about it on the news. He's there every week, at least a few times. And, you know, there's just, everybody knows him. And it's for me, it's a bit strange because last four, three years, it was not really like that. Also, if I look at the sponsorship side of things, like it didn't really benefit me that he was now in Formula One because most people are thinking, oh, there's anyway already an, a Dutch Formula One driver. So what's the point? But now people start to look at it in a different way. And also there are so many more people watching from the Netherlands that it's actually much more beneficial for the companies and the brands to sponsor uh, Dutch people because so many Dutch people are watching. Yeah, that's so. interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. Make I guess that that stands you out slightly from from the other hundreds of drivers who are all trying to find some money to go racing. Um, now it's it's already we're already nearly at half hour, so we've got to plow through this this last section. But we did um, put the call out for some listener questions, and we've got some. And a bit like our first question, some of them are random, right? So th- this is from Melissa. Uh, great question, Melissa. If it rains while racing, is there a puddle forming in your car? I mean, it's been the question that everyone has wanted to know. It's a good question. It's a great question. <laughs> it is a good question indeed. Um, no, there's not. I think because also our suit is not completely wet. It's because of the windscreen, I think. So the, the, the wind is flowing over. So also the rain is. So not really. Just when you're standing in the pit lane and it's it's raining really hard and there's no umbrella. But no, there's no puddle. Yeah, I suppose when, so you, have you, when you travel at 100 uh, miles an hour, like the, the rain's going over you, isn't it? It's not yeah, really, exactly. Yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. into you. Unless so if you're sat still in, in the rain without an umbrella, would it just fill up? Oh, going, yeah, going deep. but I, I do wow. think that it can leak out because sometimes when you go through aqua planning or whatever, like you get wet for one second and then it's gone. I think we need some further research on this subject. You know, yeah, we, we need an engineer. We need to talk to people. We need to test it. We need a car and some rain. You can run my car if you want. Perfect. <laughs> There's a video in there for sure. Shall, shall I? So the next one yeah, from, yeah. from Layla has asked, this is an interesting one. It's quite a philosophical one. Yeah. If you had to give, um, no, if you had to give life a taste, what would life taste like? Your life. Sorry, that's my typo, not Layla's. Oh, cheers, Tim. Sorry about that. <laughs> my life. Yeah. Yeah, your life. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Taste. Yeah. I should have thought about this before. I mean... <laughs> you couldn't have possibly uh, seen this question coming, so. <laughs> yeah. Which for sure is life taste like. <laughs> do yeah? How, how do you describe yours? I, um, I, I think it's a good. It's a good point. KFC I, maybe. Um. <laughs> I, I'd go. Yeah. Well, I was going to go down that road. I was going to go like Nan. I would be like a Ch- Nando's butterfly chicken, because because chicken's not bad for you, but. When you've got all that sauce on it, it, it's unhealthy. So, and I'm sort of, you know, sometimes I'm healthy, sometimes I'm like tonight I'm playing squash, but then I'll go to the pub straight afterwards. So, <laughs> I feel like it, I would be something that's healthy, but not really. And I put, I would put a Nando's chicken in that, in that category. So, I would taste wow. like a Nando's chicken with probably the, the garlic sauce. That's a very good one. Thanks. Um, I don't really think I have an answer on this one. I, I have to think about it. I might have to come back on Twitter or something to answer this question. Maybe you'd be a, a uh, what about a, I think these are Dutch, the, the waffles that you put on top of your coffee cup. You know the things? Yeah. Soft waffle. That's it? Yes. Ma- you know, so I'm, I'm hard from the outside, but soft from the inside. Oh, there we go. That's, that's very good, isn't it? <laughs> 
I like that. And Tom's a right. FC. We got it. We got we got there in the end. Um, <laughs> now th- this one is uh, I don't know what's going on. I, this might be uh, this could be me saying something really offensive because I don't know what it means. It's probably Dutch. So a guy called Mitchell has said, um, "Do you prefer uh, this? I don't know whether this is going to be the right pronunciation. Lopic. Oh yeah. Or Benchop. Benchop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah." Um, I prefer, I can pronounce it like you do, band shop, okay. because it's the place where I live. Oh, it's a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So How's Lopik, it actually pronounced? Lopik and band shop. Ben's and Lopik is basically next to me. Ah, okay. So, so these are two areas near where you live? Yes. And, yeah. and, you... and probably the people, the people that asked, uh, or the guy that asked, uh, is from Lopik. Yeah. Yeah, he said you'll know what he's doing. I, was like, I don't know what that is, but I'm going to ask it. Yeah. Um, so, so that local rivalry yeah. going on there. Um, yeah, all right. Oh, it gets weird. Is another, oh, ma- another Melissa. Sorry about this. And, and what are these questions, I, I Tim? These are really strange. How do you feel about fluffy cows? Oh what God. is this? I don't know. This I've had that people. question before, yeah. No, really? you haven't. What? Yeah, in a live stream with Formula 2. Oh, that's probably why. <laughs> that is the yeah, same yeah. person. No, they are uh, amazing. I don't oh. know. I, I don't really have anything to do with it. So. It's a good answer. <laughs> they sound very um, cute. Yeah, I like it. And finally, Bjorn said, um, how did you come up with the idea of making your own bucket hats? You are a bucket hat fan. We know this. I am. Yeah. Um, you have your own? Is this right? Yes. Have you seen it? No. All right. I'm looking it up now. Let me get one. I mean, no, I, I oh, the, nice. I got the... Oh, here it is. I got the idea because I like to go in my free time to go with friends to festivals. Yeah. Nice. And uh, slowly I started to see much more people wearing bucket hats. I was like, oh, that looks so funny. So then I decided to make my own. Oh, yeah, um, nice. Just because I saw the trend. Look at that. They look, they look like this. And then I can also turn them around. So they have like, they're two-sided basically. Clever. But they were sold out in like 10 days or something. Wow. So. Well, I mean, yeah, well, you... isn't Lando a big bucket bucket hat fan? You know, this oh, Valtteri. Valtteri's got a new one every week, isn't he? Like yeah, that. no, they're like a trend right now. So I really wanted my own, and I like this print on the inside. Yeah, so. that's cool. That's, that's cool, man. For I, sure. I'm not, yeah. I'm not cool enough to wear one of those. Tom, you might just get away <laughs> with it. Uh, yeah, I mean, my head's probably too big, to be honest, to fit that on. Um, one size fits all. <laughs> no, it, uh, Matty from WTF1, he wouldn't get his head in one of them. <laughs> oh, stop it. <laughs> Leave him alone, Tim. <laughs> uh, right, we have a final three questions, which um, are brought to us by our friends at Motus One, our lovely podcast sponsors. Um, uh, right, I'll kick off first this week. What's got you excited at this very moment, racing or otherwise? Otherwise, because, you know, we are not, not racing anytime soon. And to be really honest, I get very excited from having uh, um, conversations with new sponsors, like especially when they go well, of course. But, um, you know, I feel that it gives me energy and I feel that I like to, you know, also when it, when the conversation is done, I can go and um, speak with my designer who can then make a mock-up from the car and the helmet with their logo. And, you know, it's just then I can send it to them. I just like the whole process, basically. Yeah. Very good. Who do, who do you work with for your uh, helmet design, by the way? Uh, Bink Design. He's a very good friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, I follow Bink. No, good. Oh, really? Yeah, I follow nice. well, on, on Twitter. Yeah, because I want to get my own helmet made at some point. Oh, oh you nice. should do it with him. Yeah, yeah he's Reaching good. out, yeah. Nice. Um, right, next question. How much of your success is down to luck and like being in the right place at the right time or other stuff? 
you know, what, what kind of balance is there between luck and, and work, I suppose? Uh, I really think that I, I did have some luck in my career because, for example, if I didn't get the call from Trident before this season, I would not be in Formula 2 anymore. So, of course, then it was still up to me to, you know, make this luck kind of work because, you know, I, it was still not a guaranteed place in Formula 2. But without the call, I wouldn't have been there. And then the same with Macau in the end. I won the race, but it was still lucky because without that, I would not have continued in Formula 3. So I, th- I think there's always a, a, a way of luck in there. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I, I just uh, have to interrupt the, the final three because my wife's just come in from outside saying I've just crashed into the neighbor's car. <laughs> really? <laughs> he saw wow. it. Fantastic. Yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's what that's, uh, that's uh, I hope that's you're insured. Way to end the podcast. Uh, yeah. I really hope we're insured. Yeah. Um, I didn't like him anyway. Um, <laughs> final question for you, Richards. Uh, what are you scared of and not elevators? Because I know you're a little bit claustrophobic. So, what else <laughs> are you scared of? Let's go deeper. Oh, you did good research. Yep. Uh, I really don't like um, snakes and spiders. So, that's why I'm doubting if I should do Formula 2 next year because we go to Australia. Ooh. <laughs> yes, the land where everything you know wants to kill you. I, having been there, it's not quite as bad, at least from personal experience. I didn't see any. I did see oh. a couple of spiders, but from a distance. All right, all right. No, no, I really don't like them. They really scare me. Yeah, I don't like spiders particularly. You saw them from a distance. How far away were the spiders? Like, were they? Were they... Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe it was actually. Yeah, because I mean, the fact I could see a spider from distance implies that it's probably pretty big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm not a not a fan of spiders myself. Um, tell the people, Richard, where can we find you? You, you have a website, socials, etc. Yeah, basically, my name, Richard Fairshore. If you type it in on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or whatever, then uh, you should be able to find me. Brilliant. And thanks for listening. And I hope to uh, have you as a fan right now. Uh, it's um, it's been a pleasure having you on, and, and best of luck with the final round in um, Abu Dhabi. Um, I will be there, so I'll, I'll come and find you. Um, right. and, um, that sounds a bit ominous does, I'll, I'll find you, find you. <laughs> I will find you with, and I'll steal a bucket hat I really want to try one of those um, but best of luck with the future um, hope you have a long and successful career and, and perhaps we'll see you racing alongside another certain Dutchman in Formula 1 at some time in the not too distant future but for now Richard thank you so much for joining us on the podcast thank you so much as well thank you so much for listening to the Motormouth podcast do make sure you give us a follow on our socials Twitter at Motormouth underscore Instagram at Motormouth underscore official and Facebook just search Motormouth you can also download the Motormouth app where you can get exclusive video content from MNTV create your own social profile to interact with other fans and check up on all the latest happenings with whatever motorsport takes your fancy we're also proud to be supporting the Brain Tumor charity too so make sure you check the links in the podcast description to find out how you can help cure brain tumors quicker don't forget to like subscribe and review and until next time you've been listening to the motor mouth podcast hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.